Okay, everyone, welcome to the uh, newest version of the All Things Richmond, All Things Property Management podcast. I am lucky enough to be here with Dotson Property Management's VP of Single Family Management, Mr. Timothy Wainer. Welcome, Tim. I hope they'll be able to put in some clapping. Yeah. In the effects Whittle gets in the some studio. Applause in yeah. there. That'll be yeah. great. <clears throat> so Tim oversees Dodson's single family division, which includes single family homes, small apartment buildings, and homeowners associations. That's so right. Tim, today I'd like to start talking about some trends in the industry and how they're affecting us and others in our space. Let's start with just the local sales market. The last few years, uh, sales uh, homes are flying off the shelf, values are increasing. How is that affecting? you, your clients, the single family division here uh, at Dotson Property Management? Yeah, that's a great, that's a great question, Duke. Um, and you. I think the answer to that, yeah, it's the first compliment I've given you in a long time. Thank you. Um, we got this one on so tape. Yeah, there you go. Um, no, I think that story actually goes back to when we started. Well, obviously you started before I did, but... Uh, 2007? I, yeah, you started in 2007. When I came on board in 2009... Uh, we were really Pretty right. Sad time in the we real estate market. Really right in the midst of the real estate decline, which you can tell our grandkids about it. Like, yeah. like we lived throughout the Great Depression, we lived through the Great Recession, yeah. and started a business. That's, so. that's absolutely true. Yeah, uh, there's a number of things we can tell our grandkids about <laughs> these days, but uh, maybe that's a different podcast. Uh, <laughs> but no, so you know, we were right in the midst of this dec- extreme decline in Richmond, and fortunately for Richmonders, I know it maybe didn't feel like it at the time, but we're a little bit insulated with wa- our proximity to Washington D.C. We're a state capital. Um, you know, our real estate values never plummeted as bad as a place like Cleveland, Ohio, or Jasper, Missouri, probably. <clears throat> so, a big Jasper guy. Uh, huge Jasper guy. Um, but so, you know, we were lucky in that sense. But at the same time, you know, folks who ended up becoming our clients because they were looking for jobs out of town, they were going elsewhere. Uh, they didn't feel that way, but uh, you know it was good for property management at the time and people who were good at property management because you were able to pick up a lot of accounts. People, were, like I said, were moving for jobs. People were underwater on their houses, so they weren't able to sell them at that point. Fast forward now, uh, eight, nine, ten years later, the real estate market in Richmond is, uh, you know, like you said, it's it's going haywire. Um, you know, property values are finally catching up with that median income. So you look at a chart, usually median income and, and, and home prices are steadily rising. Median income in Richmond rose pretty, pretty heavily for a while without home prices catching up. And now we're kind of, uh, that's reversing and they're, and they're evening out there. So, um, you know, people are now not as underwater on their houses as they were at one point. Some people are even have plenty of equity in their equity. House. What's that equity? <laughs> so, um, you know, for, as property managers, that presents some some interesting dynamics. Um, you know, we've got a lot of clients that are coming to us and saying, listen, I had no intention of ever being a landlord. Don't want to be, love your company. Uh, but I'm going to sell cause I can make some money on this. I can make 30 K I can make 40 K, which is amazing to think about even, ju- even though it's been 10 years. Um, and so, you know, we're losing a lot of clients. Whereas in that 2010 to 2000, 16 range we were losing about seven to nine percent of our clients and on a, on an annual basis you know last year we lost almost 18 percent and that is yeah, not because we're doing a worse job that's literally you look at the numbers it's strictly sales people sure. are going and they're selling their homes because they can make some money off of it so that presents some interesting problems if you're a property management company in growth mode because 
you know, people who were landlords aren't necessarily selling right back to landlords. They mm-hmm. might be selling to people who um, are going to be living in those homes. Mm-hmm. So uh, you're going after a different market. You're you're kind of uh, doing podcasts in order to attract a different type <laughs> of client. Or sunglasses. You're wearing sunglasses, which I'm gonna. I'm sorry, I can't see anything. <laughs> I'm gonna wear my regular glasses here. Thanks for being a sport for at least a few minutes. There. Yeah, there yeah. you go. Uh, but so it presents some some interesting dynamics and some interesting problems. Uh, and some interesting opportunities. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, you know, I think it keeps you on your toes as a property manager, making sure that you're in front of the people that you need to be in front of and that you're providing the right service to those folks. Sure. Sure. So in addition to the that was shifting a great answer, by the way, that's a good one. Wasn't succinct enough, but it's a podcast. Can you be you're more succinct to... in yeah. future yeah. answers? Okay. Right. Um, so in addition to the shifting sales market, what other trends or noticeable changes have you seen? in the property management space. And I guess to give the reader some, the readers, the viewers some context, <laughs> uh, Tim is the regional vice president for NARPM, which is a national association of residential property managers. He's NARPM smart. Um, so you attend numerous conferences, you know, folks like us across the country. Um, so you should have your finger on the pulse of what's happening out there in the property management world. So, uh, tell us about some of those changes. Sure. So, um, you know, I think one that is really impacting, property managers right now that's, you know, when you say trends, the one that first comes to mind is consolidation. So Mm -hmm. property management companies that are going out and looking to acquire other property management companies, whether they have, you know, got a a bunch of funding from a venture capital firm and they're going out and trying to to buy other companies or whether it's a, a smaller company with 40, 50 units and they're just trying to acquire another company that might have 10 or 20. Mm-hmm. Uh, you see that going on uh, across the country right now. And, you know, it, again, presents some interesting talking points. I'd love to hear your, your your viewpoint on it as well. But I think it actually is, you know, I think it's helping the industry because, again, it is pushing things in the right direction. Most of those larger companies that are buying up some smaller ones have some systems in place that are, uh, you know, proven systems, mm-hmm. let's say. And they are elevating the industry. They're mm-hmm. helping introduce new things like great new technologies, which is probably another trend. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that is something that in our industry had been lacking for some time. You saw it in the multifamily space. You saw it in the commercial space. You know, vendors all over the country that were having a really positive impact on those businesses uh, and the way those businesses uh, service their customers. Uh or their clients, really, either their tenants or their owners. Uh, but now you really see it in um, the single-family property management mm-hmm. space and sure. the small multifamily space. Mm-hmm. And it's not just one. It's not just one company that that yeah. specializes in something. There's actually – then they're starting to have competition mm-hmm. um, in the technology space. So you've got some multiple choices. You've got, you've got things that offer different things for different uh, companies. And so mm-hmm. the – uh, you know, that's another trend that I see every day. But back to the consolidation thing, you know, I'd, I'd love to hear your perspective on that. Well, yeah, it's interesting. Um, single family has been the most fragmented part of the property management mm-hmm. industry for years. And because of the technology you referenced, because of the automation, uh, property management companies like ours can be more efficient and mm-hmm. therefore um, more profitable. And that attracts more people to the space. And so when we, one guy figures it out, he can grow his company and he starts buying more Then the private equity kind of follows. They see property management as this recurring revenue, predictable revenue type business, which which is awesome um, in that regard. And so I think consolidation is 
has been, you know, has been inevitable and it's happening. And I think it's interesting to see how it'll shake out. I think there'll always be the room for the mom and pops and the boutiques. Sure. Um, Absolutely. But I think, I think the, the folks that are consolidating on a big scale are going to start uh, wreaking a little havoc in, in certain markets. And we'll have to see how it, you know, how it shakes out uh, here sure. in Richmond. I compare it almost to like the institutional investor when it comes down to buying single family homes when mm-hmm. that first started to hit the market in, what was that? Was that 2010, 2011? Yeah. Um, you know, there is still plenty of room for mm-hmm. the investor that wants to buy five to 10 to even 20 mm-hmm. properties as opposed to buying 150 and, or excuse me, 150 mm-hmm. and, and, you know, holding them in one place. So yeah, I agree. It, it, but it, uh, even then the institutional investors that came into town, they did push mm-hmm. the, the small, smaller investors in some ways that were, that were positive. So I agree. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. So let's talk about some of the technology you referenced. What yeah. kind of technology, let's say over the last three years, has really affected our ability to manage properties, affected the client experience, the tenant experience the most in your mind? Sure. So I won't name names uh, or endorse anything. Sure, you can. Uh, but so the, I think the one that um, – so specifically as a tool, mm-hmm. technology that's helped us be more efficient, I think is uh, work order – software work mm-hmm. order um management software and so workflow maintenance <clears throat> workflow software if that's how you want to yeah. call it maintenance workflow sure. yeah sure um and i think what that has allowed us to do is um you know streamline work orders mm-hmm. so our customers are uh they know exactly what to expect they can you know we're very transparent mm-hmm. with those sorts of technology um you know they know when a vendor is supposed to be there how long, uh, if you've actually attacked their work order yet. So they know that you're actually doing their job as opposed to just calling in and you saying, Hey, I'll take care of it. And then they wait three weeks and nothing's done. Um, they know what's going on in the process. And it's also, I think one of the main keys is it has allowed us at Dodson property management. And I think as an industry to, uh, handle work orders the way we had always intended to handle work orders, which Mm -hmm. is we are a manager of that situation. We are not going out and fixing the problem. As some tenants think we, we do, we're going to go fix a leaking toilet. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know Wit probably can't fix a leaking toilet, can you? Um, I have before. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say it's my specialty. Picture didn't happen. No, I swear. It was at my okay. parents' house over Thanksgiving. My grandparents were there. Mm-hmm. I did have to call a friend. So, yeah, my buddy Nate came over and helped. That's very nice. But, uh, but I did fix it. Gotcha. That's amazing. And I installed a bidet on my, at my house. So, <laughs> yeah. We won't can we cut that? Yeah, we can cut that. You said you can't edit this, but yeah, dear God. Yeah. Okay. Um, um, anyway, but so no back to workflow software. It's workflow software. So it has really allowed us to manage the process mm-hmm. as opposed to being in the middle. Mm-hmm. So instead of making four phone calls, one to the vendor, or one to receiving one from the tenant, making a call to a vendor, then trying to schedule it with the tenant, then trying to schedule it back with the vendor, then back and forth. And then if the vendor no-shows, mm-hmm. then you're on the phone call again. You know, you, you are able to, whether it be in the field or at your desk, you're able to manage that process. So I think mm-hmm. that one's been the biggest impact. It's allowed us to manage more units mm-hmm. per person. And I right. think, you know, as a business, that's something you've always got to keep your pulse on is, uh, you know, being profitable. And, and, and that's part of that. Sure. Okay. Any other technologies you want to talk about other than maintenance workflow? Uh, I mean, I think, you know, showing technologies, uh, there are a couple out there that allow you to, to have showing scheduled for you. I think those make you more efficient. Um, you know, those lock boxes, self showing mm-hmm. lock boxes. 
I think that's going to be a wave of the future. Uh, once landlords they've been around for a while, but I feel like adoption's yep. really taken off lately. That, with them. Yeah, that's a great mm-hmm. way to articulate that. Mm-hmm. One thing that I am currently in the midst of exploring is smart home technology mm-hmm. and how that's going to impact the market. I think that as there are more Alexas and Google Homes and Nest thermostats and lo- August locks that you can lock and unlock with your cell phone and they read when you're walking towards the door, right. I think that's going to be a huge part of the market because why would a renter not want that? Right. They're not going to want to put it on a house that they're not going to live at forever. Right. But if you can provide that as a landlord, wow, how does that set you apart in the marketplace? Sure. And so we're currently exploring how to do that, and I think we will... That's something that we're going to try to adopt and be early uh, adopters in our marketplace on. Do you want to touch on uh, automation, virtual assistance, and how that's affected our space as well? Um, I think all of the stuff that I really just talked about is kind of, <clears throat> you know, kind of hits that automation point. But the mm-hmm. virtual assistant thing, yeah, I mean, I think that just quite simply, uh, it's a time saver. It gets some of the the what kinds admi- of tasks do you, do you guys thing. throw onto to VAs these days? Yeah, so anything from uh, invoice processing mm-hmm. and paying to uh, you know commission worksheets mm-hmm. where our property managers are paid commissions. Like they they do all of that kind of I hate to say mind numbing, but at times can be mind numbing work and right. and allows us to focus on what we're good at, which is customer and client interface. Uh, you know, that's our, a good question. Is yeah. if we we're automating showings, maintenance workflow, all, mindless tasks, and what would you say you do here? What would you say major? you do here? <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I think you're seeing it. You know, we spend time uh, trying to educate the public on things. I'm a people person. Right, I'm I deal with the people. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, I mean, you, you and I heard it, Duke, all the time. Yeah. Nobody ever answers their phone. I can never get a call back in time. And I feel I feel like we were really good at it, too. Right. And so, um, you know, you use those tools to deliver a better customer experience. And I think sure. that's what this marketplace is looking for. Renters, you know, it's like getting stuck in traffic uh, before a meeting and you're late. The person you're meeting doesn't really care. It's not, yeah. their, it's not their problem. And a renter, they no longer care that it's not their home. Their expectation is that they are serviced almost like a concierge like we're almost a concierge service these days for them and we have to adjust to that and if that means automating a few things but still trying to engage your customers through social media through Mm -hmm. blogs and and those sorts of things and and uh you know then then that's what it takes sure and i think that i think that benefits uh our industry because we are like i said educating people about what property management is while actually delivering a good experience to them as well cool okay that's another good answer was not a good answer. No, I said that was another good oh, answer. Oh yeah, Chalk I would like up. to two, cut two good answers. I would like to cut the bidet thing though. Can we do yeah. that? Just keep saying bidet over yeah. and over again. Um, so okay, let's talk about the shift in in rental property ownership. You know, uh, the, the population is aging, and uh, how's that? What, what what have you seen amongst the uh, shift in demographics? Sure. So I have only anecdotal evidence really to support this, uh, as far as the rental game. Mm-hmm. However. Uh, you know, home ownership, <clears throat> excuse me, has been at, uh, you know, an all time low, especially mm-hmm. among millennials. And everybody always wants to say millennials are living in their parents' basements, right? right? That's the super cool hip thing to say is that, man, millennials, they just won't get out of their parents' basements. Well, research actually shows that, that millennials are dying to get out of their parents' basements. Mm-hmm. They don't want to live there. Um, and there's a couple of things that I think are going to start being trends there. Uh, millennials are actually saving more money. They have, they're starting to get less debt per capita than, 
than previous generations as they're coming out of their parents' basements. Um, <clears throat> you can see home on- home ownership affordability, which for the last six years has, or excuse me, three years has been, um, you know, at an all time. I guess you, if you want to say high, it's you, you can't afford homes. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's been uh, the worst since nineteen. I think the 1930s or 40s, mm-hmm. um, you know, that is going to start decreasing. And, uh, you know, as, as builders start to catch up with home, home builds, as millennials start deciding that they are okay living outside of the city, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they're going to start buying homes more and more. Mm-hmm. So I think those numbers, while they may never recover to overall home ownership rates, at some point, their grandparents aren't going to have that home anymore and there's going to be opportunities for them to buy and affordability is going to come down to places where mm-hmm. they can. And so you're going to probably see a shift of both just regular homeowners and investors, mm-hmm. uh, you know, getting a little bit younger. So I think that's a good, good reason as to why, you know, utilizing some of that technology, smart homes, things like that is going to, you know, if you're a property manager doing, adopting those things now is going to help you position yourself in the marketplace mm-hmm. as uh you, know, you never want to say investors are dying, older investors are dying out, but at a certain point you want to cash out, right? Mm-hmm. You know, you might want to be 85 and still own a couple of rental properties, but yeah. you may want to cash out and get some of that money back, especially right now. Sure. Sure. So we'd like to close with some, some rapid fire questions. Are you oh ready? man. Are these like, is this like being on the, uh, what's the thing on ESPN, the Coors Light hot seat? Are sure. you allowed to mention Beer. Sales sure. That's yeah. Yeah. Once we get, we'll do once, we we get re- once we get really big, yeah. All right. So, best rapper from the nineties. Uh, I know what you're gonna say. Just say it. Best rapper from the nineties. How about your favorite <clears throat> rapper from the nineties? Uh, you probably want me to say Nas, right? I want you to say what's in your heart. Well, Nelly, you're, you think I'm going to say Nelly, but I I'm consider gonna, that 2000s. I was going to get, okay. So 90s, yeah, right. no, it's 2000s. Nelly. 2010s. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I'm into J. Cole right now. Okay. Would you, is that acceptable? I, I, I was you're thinking, okay you're, I didn't know what you were going to say for the 90s. I knew you were going to say for Nelly and, and J. Cole. So yeah. we're on track. Yeah. Um, on a scale of one to 10, Justin Timberlake's halftime performance. Here we go. Um, it's hard to give anything a 10, right? But, I liked it. I thought it was a nine. I can't. I can't remember. You know, Super Bowl halftime shows. Yeah, you know, I know. I remember Aerosmith did one one year. Like, mm-hmm. uh, not, nothing has been memorable other than the last JT Super Bowl performance. Okay. Uh, and so I've got to give it an eight or a nine. I think the Prince thing didn't quite hit, but the dancing was unbelievable. I'm also a big JT fan. Yeah. Huge JT fan. The Dotson boys could reenact his whole uh, performance. That'd be that'd be a fun challenge. I would say. Uh, our choreographer has, over time, uh, made our dance moves a little bit easier than the dance moves he does. So okay. I think we'd have a hard time. Okay. But uh, you know, give, a, give us enough. She'd time have to dumb it down it. a little. Yeah, dumb it down. Okay. Yeah. So what happened to your? What happened to you in your life that made you feel the way you do about pocket squares? <laughs> I'm not wearing one right now. <laughs> you thought, I'm not. What did you think I was going to say? I don't know. Okay. I was nervous. <laughs> you seemed surprised. When I, I was very nervous. <laughs> oh man, gosh. My, so yeah, oh, cool down. You, you seem Ooh. to have a uh, an affinity, a strong for affinity for pocket squares. So what what about <clears throat> those makes you happy? Um, you know, I'm a, actually I started as a big handkerchief guy, just right. straight handkerchief, straight hankies. 
Yep, loved mm-hmm. them. My grandfather always had a handkerchief, uh, and I thought it was cool. Okay. And <clears throat> I still think it's cool. I understand why people think it's kind of gross. But, uh, you know, it's just like anything. You just keep up with it. And it's it's not like you're using a hanky from six days ago. That's I would uh, hope not. Yeah, you just have a fresh one every day. Mm-hmm. And it's good, you know, you don't want to dirty them up too badly mm-hmm. and then hand them, hand them to somebody else. But if you've got a fresh, clean one and you can hand it to somebody. Right. So it started with hankies. And then I think my brother got me um, the, hand, the Esquire little black handbook of style, which right. I think I've given to you. Which is lovely. Which, you're welcome. Thanks. Uh, you're welcome, Internet. Yeah, yeah you're welcome. <laughs> and then, so I think I just read something about pocket squares and some rules, and uh, or some general rules, and I like to follow. Mm-hmm. I like a, a nice set of boundaries that I can follow. Which leads me to my next question. How do you feel about men who wear pants with belt loops, shirt tucked in, no belt? And no suspenders? <laughs> no suspenders. So no belt, yeah. no suspenders. Yeah. And the shirt's tucked in. Shirt's tucked in. So belt loops are there for the world to see. No belt. How's that um, make you feel? <laughs> give me a second. I got some Benadryl over there from yesterday if you, if you need that. That's <laughs> um, not my – oh, man. Sorry. I would say I'll, I'll, I'll be kind because I've, I've, I've got some dear friends that have yeah. dressed that way. This is your chance, man. And I'll just say – Passive-aggressive you know, way to give them a little, yeah. little coaching, a little advice. I'll just say, listen, uh, keep a belt at your office. Keep a belt in your car. Uh, I've forgotten a belt before. Luckily, uh, you had a good friend there that had a extra dirty brown friend, belt. A good dirty you. brown belt. Yeah. Um, anything is better than nothing. Right. I, I've always felt that like fashion comes and goes, and there, it's a matter of opinion. But not wearing a belt is just is just wrong. It's I've actually wrong. seen it like it's super like, and I think now it's gone away, but super trendy modern fashion where you're wearing a suit with a coat um, and really tight. Um, and like super no break pants. Yeah. Uh, that was in for a little while. Uh, yeah. like in New York and big cities like that. Yeah. Quickly went out. Now they're wearing like baggy pants, which I also can't get behind. Yeah. But I'm never going to be a modern fashion guy. I'm always going to be a classics. You can call me kind of like a British classics guy. So can we just title this podcast? A cl- Tim Waiter, a classic man, classic man. You can play that song going in and out. Yeah. Well, Tim, Loved having you on this version of All Things Richmond, All Things Property Management podcast. Any last-minute thoughts, questions you want to throw out there to the to the uh, Twitterverse, to the Facebook universe? No, I just wish I had some like fast questions for you there at the well, end. Maybe the next time you're next on this time? podcast, you'll be ready with those. Yeah, we need one more microphone so that you and I can just do this from now on, and then we'll, <laughs> we'll interview somebody else. Okay. Uh, I think the uh, I think the uh, the world deserves that. <laughs> That's what the world needs. Yeah. Well, thanks uh, for having. Thanks for coming aboard uh, this version of the podcast. We loved having you. See it you was next difficult time. to get here. Just walked across the office. There. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks.